Right, we are kicking off, and today's going to be an introduction day to our next sermon series, and it's called Enough. And a lot of times you'll kind of arrange a series that you go through, and at the end you kind of answer all the questions, but I'm kind of ending with my, or beginning with my ending text. So as we go through this series, that this will always be in the back of your mind. This is the main point. I'll just tell you up front. The main point is that Jesus is enough for your peace, for your joy. And Jesus is the only one that is enough. You will never have enough money. You'll never have enough stuff. You'll never have enough wealth, fame, power, whatever this world affords. You will never have enough to satisfy your spirit, to satisfy your soul. It will never be enough. And oftentimes, we have to go down that path of chasing satisfaction, fulfillment, happiness, joy in this world until we've had enough. And when we've had enough, oftentimes, then we will begin to seek the one, the only one that is enough. So that's the basics of this. Well, after today, this, uh, the, what the message is today, our text today, will always be in the backdrop of what we study. And we will be going through and looking at people uh, in situations uh, where people have had enough in Scripture, that maybe you will be able to relate to one. And it is when they've had enough that they've reached out for God or reached out for Jesus. Because oftentimes, that's, that's not the way God wants it to happen, but because of our stubbornness, our hard-headedness, Scripture says hard hearts, that's often how it has to happen. We have to just get so frustrated and disappointed with the things of this world that we just say, I've had enough. There's an old saying that God's office is at the end of our rope, right? And that's what we're talking about. But today we're going to look at really um, the whole chapter. If you remember a few weeks ago, we did a little Bible lesson about you have to read something in the greater context. And what I'm talking about today is a perfect example. In John chapter 6, uh, you read a couple different stories, but it all, you really can't preach one without talking about the whole context of uh, this chapter. So I'm just going to read a little glimpse for us, um, beginning in verse 25 from the Gospel of John, chapter 6. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, You are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate and the loaves you had, you had and you you were filled. Do not work for food that spoils, but food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. When they ask him, what must we do to do the works of God requires. Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, and it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. 
Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of God for the people of God. So we have to look at the whole text because it's all mixed together. At the very beginning of this, Jesus feeds 5,000. We remember those stories a couple different times in a couple different gospels. We read about Jesus feeding the masses. And when we look at the first part of this, the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, we go through and there's this theme. And that's one of the things we do as we go into the Bible for 120 days. You look for repeated themes for the, the deeper story of what's going on. You look at the greater context to help you look what's going on. So we see in this story, we see, just reading some expert excerpts, we show... Where should we buy all the bread? We're not going to have enough bread to feed all of these people. There's not enough. And they uh, talk about where could we buy enough bread to feed all of these people? And then they find a boy with some two fish and some uh, five loaves, barley loaves of bread. And they say, it'll never be enough. So you, you see a, scene, a theme going on here, talking about enough and how they do not have enough bread, enough food to feed all of these people. And what does Jesus do? He says, give me the fish, give me the loaves. And he blesses them. And all of a sudden, they go through the whole crowd, all 5,000 people. And guess what? They had enough. They had more than enough, it says. Right? They, put, they put their leftovers in 12 baskets. And then the story goes on and Jesus shows another sign, another miracle as he walks on water and um, he gets to the other side and he joins them. And so another sign of Jesus' power. And so then we read kind of this transitional verse in verses 26 and 27 that is going to take us to a new part of the, the chapter and it's Jesus Uh, answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because of you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures, that leads to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For, For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval." So right there we see there's this transition because they're talking about physical bread and this powerful sign that that filled their bellies that they had more than enough bread. And now Jesus is is turning the story a little bit. He says, don't worry about it. The the reason you're excited about me is because I gave you physical food to feed your bellies. Um, But don't worry about that. It's more about Spiritual bread, spiritual stuff that's going to feed your soul. And Jesus transitions and begins to teach them that he is the bread of life. They talk about manna from heaven. 
that in the Old Testament, right, in our, they gave our forefathers bread from heaven that sustained their physical life. And Jesus has taken that in the story of 5,000 and has switched it over to say, yeah, but I am the spiritual bread of life. And I will give life to your souls. And you will never Worry about having enough. I will be more than enough. Just like we saw with the 5,000, Jesus was more than enough. But on a spiritual level, on the salvation of our souls, Jesus is more than enough. And so then he begins to start talking and teaching them, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, I don't know about you. Now, see, remember, they didn't have hindsight. It didn't happen yet. The the resurrection and the crucifixion didn't happen. And so they're thinking cannibalism. This guy's lost his mind. And so he starts talking about this, but he tells them, he goes, but what I'm telling you is spiritual truth. Now, it will all kind of come together for them eventually when they witness the resurrection the resurrected Jesus, and they receive the discerning power of the Holy Spirit. We talk about that. It'll come together, and this will all begin to make sense because later in the Gospel of John, he says, I'm going to send you the helper that will help you discern all that I've taught you. And so it's going to be things like this that they go, oh, remember when he was talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood? That's not what we thought it was. And it is a strange teaching because at the end of the chapter, it says, which is understandable, it says, many disciples left him. And he looked at the 12 and said, are you going to leave too? And this is how I interpret it. I see, and and Peter answers. But I see Peter in my own reading of it as being stunned and a little confused about the eating the flesh and drinking the blood. And he says, you guys going to leave too? And Peter's like, I don't know what you're talking about either. But I've determined you are the Messiah. You are the one with the words of life. So where else am I going to go? He realized that Jesus was all that he needed. Jesus was enough. And that's what we're going to talk about because we chase this, the things of this world. And... If we're honest, I was thinking about this this week. We, we say, well, I go to church and I do this, but most of our lives, if we're honest, is looking out for ourselves, looking out for our house, our cars, our this, our that. It's about this world and the things we have in this world. And we kind of fool ourselves. You know, billionaires do the same thing we do in life. They eat dinner, they eat breakfast, they eat food, they have relationships, they have families, they celebrate holidays. It's no different than the poorest among us and the billionaires. We do the same basic stuff in life. Now, they might do it in a little better style, but it's not where you get your fulfillment. You find your fulfillment in what God created, in in family, and friends in the body of Christ. We will never be satisfied. This world will never be enough for us, but we continue to try to make it enough. 
We chase the things of this world to try to give meaning to our lives, try to give value to our life. And the things of this world will never be enough. Some of us have come to that conclusion. When I first became a pastor, God told me, God told me, he said, Jim, if you surrender yourself fully to me, and when you say surrender yourself fully in in a biblical sense, that is giving everything over. And I'm not good at that. He goes, but if you surrender everything over to me completely, this will be the most blessed life that you could ever have. If you don't, if you try to go into the pastorate and serve uh, both uh, the world and God, it's going to be a struggle and it's going to be hard. Now, I thought that was a blanket statement. It was either going to be one or the other, but it wasn't because it turned out the times when I have struggled in ministry or uh, vocation or stuff, it was things of this world. I was living one in the world. You know, sometimes it was selfish. Sometimes it was just circumstances. I think I've shared with you when I went to Africa on mission trip the very first time, all my kids were in high school. Well, Morgan was the later one. I had three kids in high school at one time, a senior, a junior, um, and a freshman. And I'm a Methodist pastor, not a billionaire. And so, and I can have a little anxiety And so I was stressing in my life about how I was going to pay for college, how I was going to take care of my kids. And then then I'm one of those catastrophizers. Once I get started, it just snowballs. And how am I going to pay for my pension? And And I was just freaking out. And then I went to Africa. And we had to drive eight hours from Nairobi to Maua. And almost constantly, there were people walking on the side of the road. Almost the entire trip. When I was driving back to the airport, blessed by the mission trip, mountaintop experience, I began to reflect on my life as I stared out at all these people walking. And I said, and it was the Holy Spirit. I always know it's the Holy Spirit, one, because it's very clear, and two, I remember it. If it's not the Holy Spirit, if it's just me, I forget, which is probably a good thing. But I was very clear. I was just staring at these people, and I said, or it spoke to me, he said, Jim, the things that are, you are stressing over and the anxiety that is ruining your relationships because you're moody and stressed and all that, doesn't even cross their minds. They're just trying to work from day to day. And they found, I learned they found more fullness in their happiness, in happiness in their families, in their relationships, in their church, because that's all they had. And I began to think, maybe it's not them, maybe it's us. Maybe I got too much stuff in my life. But the thing is, this world, no matter what it is, is never going to be enough. And if we try to make it enough, we're just going to be like that dog that chases its tail. Ever seen those dogs? They're crazy. They just... And in the end, they get nothing. It's the same thing if we try to make this world be enough. There's only one that's going to be enough because we will not be complete without Jesus. Because Jesus brings us back into relationship with God. We were created. What is two greatest commandments? Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Love one another as yourself. 
We were created for relationship with God and relationships with one another. And that is the primary reason we exist. And that's where we are going to find our fulfillment, our satisfaction, our joy, and our happiness. And we will not truly find it anywhere else except Jesus. There will never be enough of this world. If that was the case, the, 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 most healthy, the healthiest spiritually, mentally places on earth would be Hollywood, right? The Hamptons, right? See, we made a, make a mistake. I'm not going to get into this too much, but what happens is I heard this on the news and it was just wisdom. I don't know, know what lady, it was just, I heard it in the background. She says, we have uh, made the mistake in this country to think of economic privilege as a virtue. And I thought about that. I said, that was one of the wisest things I've heard. Because I thought, we do that in all that. We talk, talk about fame. We look at fame as a virtue. That's why we get famous basketball players. And I love sports. We get famous basketball players, football players, say, telling us about politics. We don't, why should we listen to you about politics? Because I'm famous. And that's a virtue. Right? We look at the very wealthy. You know, I, they tend to think of themselves as being a little better or of accomplished. And I thought about, you know, we do too. I probably do that. I probably hold people up. I probably look at people through worldly lenses sometime and give them more credit and look at it as a virtue. But see, that's where this world, we, we live in the world that is covered in lies, and the biggest one is that the things of this world are virtues. Having money isn't a virtue. I know very rich people that are great, virtuous, godly people. I know very rich people that are horrible people. And I know, same thing, you know the list. I know very poor people that you know, are fantastic salt-of-the-earth people that don't have much. And I know people that don't have a lot that aren't very good people. So that's not a virtue. Having money, having power, having fame is not a virtue. And we have to stop looking like it is because that's what gets us chasing it. Virtue is what we talked about with the Holy Spirit. Being loving being joyous, being kind, being generous, being gentle, self-control, being faithful, thinking more of others than yourself. Those are virtues. And those aren't actions. They might produce actions and produce non-actions. You know, we refrain from stuff. But those are virtues, and we only find those through Christ. And so Christ is always and the only enough. And we have to, if we want to get back to the basics, if we want to first start with revival in our church, you know, we joke a lot in, in children's church as pastors and children's directors about children's church. The right answer, they always, you ask them, what's the answer? And someone's always goes, Jesus! And we kind of joked that in children's church, the right answer is always Jesus. I think maybe they're on to something. <laughs> right? Maybe they just know more theology than we do. Because maybe we need to get a little more simple 
and say, when it all gets too much, what's the answer? Jesus. Jesus in the Word, Jesus in prayer. It sounds simple, but Jesus is more than enough for whatever you're going through, for whatever you're struggling with, for whatever you're searching for. You're not going to find a solution or find it in the things of this world. No matter how much money you have, no matter how much fame, no power, materials, you'll never find it in this world. It'll never be enough. Only when we get to the position where maybe we've chased it in all different ways. I know I did. Growing up, I thought football. I thought going to college. I thought this. Every time I got there, I was lucky to get to a lot of places I strived for. But every time I got there, I was like, hmm, this isn't enough. And the only thing that has been consistent, the only thing that has uh, been there every time, the only thing that has grown and become even bigger and better in my life, the only thing that has been enough has been Jesus. And that's why it doesn't matter what's going on in the world, doesn't matter what's going on in the denomination, doesn't matter what's going on in the church, I can always find enough of what I need in Jesus. And my love for Jesus, my love for my relationship with Christ, my love for serving the gospel, even there's plenty of frustrations, has not diminished, it has only increased. And I tell people, and I want this to be an encouragement, but maybe even a challenge to the church. Yeah, Christianity's down in our culture. Yeah, our denomination's going through a rough time. Church is down across the board because of COVID. You know, the, the, the list, if you're, uh, oh, I shouldn't say, see, I'm getting wound up. So <laughs> I shouldn't say this, but the list of why not to be a Methodist pastor is long. I'm on the DCOM. Uh, Ashley, we need to cut this part out. I'm on, the D, I'm on the District Board of Ordained Ministry, and that's where we have to interview candidates seeking to be United Methodists. And I was joking with my wife. I was like, I'm going to go in there, and my first question is going to be, you want to be, I mean, everything that's going on in the church universal, in the culture, because of COVID, I mean, it's just dwindled churches. Uh, the culture is less Christian. It's, it's just a start. You want to be a United Methodist pastor? And if they say yes, they're automatically disqualified. <laughs> I think that's some poor judgment or either some tremendous courage. We'll, we'll go with that. So, as we get ready to go into communion, the reason that Jesus is enough is because he gave his life. And he gave his life that we should have life, eternal. And that he is the bread, and that's why we celebrate communion every Sunday to remind us that Jesus is the bread of life that does not just sustain our body but sustains and regenerates our soul onto eternal life. And so we are reminded of his death and resurrection and that all he says, I love in there because we talk about works of the law and all that and Jesus says the only works, the only works that is required, which backs me up, because I know I say this a lot, 
The only works that is required is what? To believe on him God sent. To believe that Jesus is the bread of life. To have faith. Have faith. Not in ourselves. Not in what we can do. But in what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. He has given us the bread of life. The bread of eternal life. For our souls and for our spirits. And in that, that is more than enough with Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you for your grace and for your mercy. I thank you for your patience. Lord, I pray you would bless this time that we might remember that Jesus is enough, that he is the bread of life that leads to eternal life through faith. In Jesus' name.